The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. we don't get to Jesus, we will die. If we don't get to Jesus, 
we will die. Some of the feedback from yesterday's broadcast as why as as we address this issue of getting to the Lord God of heaven and hearing from him it was very positive feedback. But then as I listened, it seems that it was as sweet music. And you didn't really hear what I was saying. Now, I'm sure some of you did, but many of you did not hear what I was really saying. It's radical. It's startling. So let me try again. I'll do it in the story form. In Daniel, in the first chapter, we find Daniel is being torn out of his country, Judah. He with his friends are being taken as captives, made eunuchs, told there are three years in education. They determine they are not going to put their feet under the table of Nebuchadnezzar. They will not be compromised. And of course, if you want to hear from God, you're going to have to take your feet out from under Nebuchadnezzar's table that is supplied by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you're going to have to put your feet under the table of Jesus, as David did in Psalm 23. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, the absolute monarch of Babylon, the power that rules the entire known world, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and he's very troubled by the dream. Now, I don't know if he didn't remember part of it or if he was just checking with the wise men to make sure that they were on the up and up and not lying to him about the interpretation. He demands that the wise men tell him both the dream and the interpretation, and they, of course, cannot do that. In way of review, in the second chapter of Daniel, verse 11, what the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. As one dear person said to me, I don't believe in the metaphysical. I don't believe in another reality. I believe in what I can see and touch and smell and taste. I believe in what my senses can take in. I don't believe in the reality of something out there. I don't believe in the metaphysical. Well, perhaps this king didn't believe in it either. Certainly the magicians and the astrologers, they had some belief about a power beyond. They referred to it, no one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. Probably in my life, the most painful and difficult part was for many years the silence of God. I would pray and I would get no answer. No answer. 
Now, and finally, after reading the scriptures, understanding the conditions upon which God will speak with his people and meeting those conditions, God began to speak to me. He began to answer my prayers. And I came to a very clear understanding, much more than just intellectual, that God is, that he is the verb to be, that he He was in the past, he is in the future. I'm sorry, he was in the past, he is in the present, and he will be in the future. God is not contained by time, he is beyond time. And so we mere mortals only have an understanding of God based on his revelation to us. Revelation from God to us is the first principle. It is the first principle. cannot be based on any other assumptions. It is a decision we make with a cry of our heart. And when he begins to answer and change things in the physical realm that no person could change, we know only God could do that. And as we read his word, Our heart is filled with confidence and faith and trust. And knowing without any question, there is a God and he does answer. But when we are so filled with ourselves and our ideas and our desires and our lust, when we are so filled with everything in the physical realm, the spiritual realm grows very dim. We don't see it very well. You don't solve this problem quickly. It takes time. And sometimes there is not time to make that crossing into the spirit realm. But if you don't make the crossing, you may die. So, the king is angry and he says he's going to have all of the wise men executed because they're not answering his questions. Daniel is included among the wise men as are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his three friends from Judah. So, Daniel goes to his friends and he explains to them the dire situation they are in that they will be executed if God does not reveal to them the dream I mean this is very specific stuff this is not general stuff I want you to hear me please God will deal with your very specific issues if you will reach him And there are conditions for reaching him. The first condition is that we don't put our feet under the table of the world, but rather we depend for our very sustenance upon the table of the Lord. Jesus said, my body is real food, my blood is real drink. Well, they are. But if you're so involved in this world, earning money, 
making friends, going places, vacationing, working hard. You're not going to get that. You're not going to be able to enter into the spirit realm. So Daniel goes to his house. He explains to them what's happening. And they pray. Now, there's nothing that causes us to pray like we're going to die if we don't reach God. In reality, that's true for every one of us. But it doesn't seem that way because the devil's been able to place a veil over our faces. To be able to pierce through into the heavenly realm is only done by revelation, and that revelation does not come out of metaphysical philosophy. It comes out of the revelation of God as given in Jesus Christ and as given in the Scriptures. That night, God gives Daniel a vision. Now, there are two times that seem to open the door of heaven so that we can enter into the spirit realm. First, when God has something very specific in mind and he is moving with mighty power in the physical realm, he will come and speak to very specific people about that work we find in the New Testament. Jesus came and addressed the Apostle Paul and knocked him off his horse as he was on his way to Damascus to persecute the body of Christ. In the Old Testament, we find also many evidences when God wanted to move with power for his own purposes. Then he reveals himself. The other time he reveals himself is when our need is so desperate and our cry is so loud that it enters into the gates of heaven and we will not be denied. I've shared this before, but let me say it again. In the early years of my beginning to search after the voice of God, the personhood of God, Jesus himself, I would go into my prayer closet. I was in a desperate situation. I had no job. I had no money. I had nothing. Except a house and a lot of bills. And I knew that if I didn't reach God, I was going to die. Literally. No one was going to rescue me. So as I would go in in the early morning and lay down on the carpet in a bedroom that had nothing in it, and I would begin to pray, and I would stay there, and I would pray until five or six that evening, all day, every day, day after day for an entire month. And I'll tell you what I saw. I began to see into the spirit realm. 
It's as though I were above myself looking down, and I saw myself on the floor, stretched out, weeping, calling out, reading the scriptures, crying out to God, asking him to remove the veil of silence. And as I looked, I could see a fence that kept me out of the throne room of God. I was not allowed in. Now, I was not walking in any obvious known sin in my life. As far as I knew, I was clean. Day after day, I was fenced out of the throne room of God. And it reached a point where I was hungry. My wife was hungry. I was trying to figure out how I could get enough money to send her to her family where she would be safe. And I was going to stay in that room. And I said to God, I'm going to stay in this room on my face before you until I die, and then they can come and carry away my carcass. I don't want that to happen because it would shame your name. But I have to reach heaven. I have to reach you. I'm in a desperate situation. I'm here because of poor decisions on my part. I'm here because I have not been wise in the ways of the Spirit. But I am desperate. And as I lay there, crying at the top of my voice to God. My wife came into the room and said, Ray, come. You need to get a bath. You need to rest. I followed her into the bathroom. I got into the bathtub. I slid shut the sliding glass doors frosted on that bathtub. And I began to cry out at the top of my lungs to the living God of heaven. And I said, Oh God, I'm going to die. And it's like a window opened or a door opened into the spirit realm. And he said to me audibly, like I'm speaking to you, he said to me, Good, I've been waiting for you to die. And that just ignited a firestorm of rage in my heart. And I said, Oh God, how can you say that to me? Look what I've been through. Look at my struggle. I'm hopeless. And he very quietly and kindly said to me, You were bought at a price. You are not your own. And those words rang in my soul. And I said, No, I am not my own. And I just totally backed down and collapsed in. The pride was destroyed. I said, I am belonging to God. And then he said to me the most momentous words. He said, Will you receive from my hand only what I choose to give you? 
and without even thinking. I just said, yes. Yes. And then I heard him begin to leave. I actually heard the sound of God beginning to walk away. I said, is there anything else? I wanted to keep him. I didn't want him to leave. He he turned back to me. And he said to me, turn the television off. Yes, I will. I was praying all day, and then at night I would sit up and watch the television for hours in my pain and my anguish. That night the television got turned off. I got out of the bathtub. I could barely speak. My precious wife said, Ray, what's wrong? What happened? I said, didn't you hear me yelling at God? Screaming at the top? I didn't hear a thing. Did you hear God speak? I didn't hear a thing. Now, did he really speak or was that just inside of me? I can't answer that question. I knew I was screaming at the top of my lungs, though. couldn't speak that day. But I knew that God was going to give me exactly what he wanted me to have and that I would trust him to give me whatever he chose. And if that was to die, it's okay, I'll die. If that's to do something else, then I'll do something else. Whatever it is, God, I will I will receive from your hand whatever you give to me. And there was no food in the house and immediately sent someone to the door with many groceries. And then he miraculously sent us several thousand dollars to pay off all the debts. And then he said, now move back to Washington because my call in the spirit was to Washington, D.C., not somewhere else. This took place in Moreno Valley, California, where I had run away from Washington to start a new church. And now for years, I have only received what God would give me from his hand. That's why I... I don't ask for money for my living. I only ask you to help cover the cost of radio, but not to cover my living expense, and I don't take that from the prayer chapel. I receive from the hand of God what he gives me. Now, why am I telling you all of that? I'm telling you that to... To say to you, please, brother and sister, if you will get serious with God, he will answer you. I don't know how he'll answer. It may be an audible answer. It may be an answer that comes to you through another person. It may be a dramatic or undramatic healing of your body. 
but we have to reach God, or like Daniel, we're going to die. And as I said yesterday, I have been faced with very painful and difficult situations where I have cried out to God, and he has said to me, you're too big for me to answer. And it was true. So, God answers our prayers when it is his desire to give us some revelation for the work of the gospel that he wants to initiate. And what's happening in the story of Daniel is that God is wanting to save the soul of the most wicked king, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has come and ravished his city. And God in his grace and mercy is now turning and saying, and I'm going to save you, mister. I'm going to put you through the paces. I'm going to show you that I am God. And the other time God answers prayers is when our situation is either so painful, our heart is so stirred, and we stop praying polite little prayers, and we get serious with God. I don't know how to say this to you, except that God has not answered my polite little prayers. God answers prayers where I am weeping, where I'm crying, where I'm calling out on the name of Jesus, and I am desperate in my soul. He answers those kinds of prayers. He doesn't answer prayers that are without faith. He doesn't answer prayers where we just shoot prayers toward heaven. Those are not prayers that he will normally consider. So Daniel now has the answer. And he says, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and he deposes them. There are some places where I am asking God in my life right now to change times and seasons. And I am not going to back off. I am pressing the gates of heaven for times and seasons to change for the work of the gospel in America. Now, is that out of my own need? I think not. It's for heaven's sake. It's for Jesus, because this is what he's commanded me to do. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your name must be lifted up as holy. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I am asking God to do his will on the earth. I am submitting to that will, and I am crying out and asking him to send harvesters into the field that the Lord of the harvest would bring revival to America. I will not back off on this. I am crying out loudly before the throne of God. And by the way, after that encounter with God, when I went in the prayer closet, the fence had been removed and I was able in the spirit realm to walk into the throne room of God and lay on my face before him and praise and worship and honor him. 
and I want to tell you, the throne room is still open to me. I've spent my morning there. There's no place I'd rather be than on my face before the throne of God, praising him in the spirit realm. And there he reveals things to me about his will. He whispers things to me about what he wants to do. He gives me direction. He gives me encouragement. We serve an awesome God. If you are not in that throne room of God, it's because you still have not met conditions. And you're going to have to break through. I meant that word. Breakthrough. Another word that is the same as breakthrough is overcome. In all of the letters to the seven churches, they had to overcome to enter into the throne room of God. And I'm asking you now, are you consciously aware of either being blocked from the throne room of God, or are you consciously aware, and in the spirit, do you see yourself on your face before Almighty God in his throne room? Now, please, there is etiquette to be observed in the throne room of God, or you'll get thrown out. I'll talk about that sometime. If you want to hear about that, please say something on the on the chat line. But there is an etiquette to be observed in the throne room of God. Just as there would be in the throne room of any king. He sets up kings and he deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. I thank and I praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power, and you've made known to me what we ask of you. You've made known to me the dream of the king. Now Daniel goes to the head of the guard who's been appointed to execute all the wise men and he says, do not execute the wise men of Babylon but take me to the king and I will interpret his dream for him. This man doesn't even question or ask for what the dream is, he just takes him directly to the king. And the king asks him as he stands before his glory, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel's reply is very important. He says, no wise man, enchanter, magician, diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven. Please hear this. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. 
your dream and visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. Now, please, there is a God in heaven, and he is able to reveal to you mysteries. He knows how to tell you what's going to happen in the future. He was able to tell Daniel. He can tell you. He can tell me. I want to take a minute and say this to you, please. You're sick. You're unable to do the work that you believe that God has called you to do. Are you able to go into the throne room of God and reach him and find healing? Are you bound in a job that is very painful and difficult for you? Are you able to go into the throne room of God and find the answer? Or do you just light your own fires, as it says in Isaiah 50, and go about your world trying this and trying that, taking a bite out of this and taking a bite out of that, feeding on the things of darkness, just trying somehow, some way to get an answer? The answer is Jesus. But you're going to have to do what is necessary to reach God. You're going to have to do what is necessary to reach God, or it's going to be the same old, same old. If you keep doing what you're doing, you'll keep getting what you're getting. There has to be a dramatic shift of priorities and time. It has to be focused on Jesus. Now he said to the king, there's no one who can reveal this but the God in heaven. Now here's the dream and here are the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed. As you were lying there, O king, your mind turned to things to come and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because I have greater wisdom than any other living men, but so that you, O king, may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. Daniel is being very clear. I am not the man. There is a God in heaven. And that God in heaven has chosen to give you a revelation. Did Nebuchadnezzar have an open door into heaven? No, he didn't. God came in revelation for him because God wants to save his soul. Part of what I pray for people that I care deeply about who are not Christians I pray that God will give them revelation knowledge of himself. 
because I know until they get that revelation knowledge, they will not become Christians. Now let's read Daniel 2, verse 31. You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. And while you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its iron feet and clay and smashed them. Then the iron and the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were all broken to pieces at the same time and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. And now he's going to give the king the interpretation. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Whatever, wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them. You are the head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise, inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything, and as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom, yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. Now this was a great trial, a test. One that Reese Howells entered into in the final days of his life, the end of the World War II. Based on this prophecy, men and women of God pleaded for the blocking of Hitler from taking England. Because they knew if he could take England, he would take all of Europe. <clears throat> and if he could take all of Europe, he would take the world. And England was the keystone. And they set up their line of defense in the heavenlies at England's door. And based on this promise, this prophecy, they said, Oh God, Stop Hitler. Don't let him take England. And they stood with absolute positive faith and belief that God would not allow England to fall. 
churches gathered and prayed and stood by faith. Based on this promise, this dream of Nebuchadnezzar's, that Hitler could not take Europe, that he would be defeated and unable to take England. He should have been able to take England. He had the war machine, but he made some very serious blunders caused by God. And he was defeated. And he was pushed back. Others had also tried. Mussolini tried. And others had tried to unify Europe to bring all of the then-known world under their domain and then to build their base from there and take America and take the rest of the world. But they were not able to unify Europe based on this promise. Now, Nebuchadnezzar responds to this. When Daniel says, The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and the interpretation is trustworthy. King Nebuchadnezzar fell off of his throne and went prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him, not really to him, to the God of heaven. And the king said to Daniel, this is Daniel 2, verse 47, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal the mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a, in a high position. He lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon, placed him in charge of all the wise men. Daniel's very young. He might be 20 years old. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as administrators over the province of Babylon. So Daniel has these three men as his assistants to work with him and for him. Daniel himself remained in the royal court at the king's beck and call. Now, I want to take you to the New Testament in the few minutes we have left in this broadcast. We won't be able to continue this study tomorrow because tomorrow will be a day of of crying out to God, of prayer. But Monday is a holiday, so it will be a pre-recorded message, so this study I'll pick up again on Tuesday. In 1 John, the first chapter, we find these words. We know then, this is the third chapter, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. 
the man who says him who says i know him but does does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him but if anyone obeys his word god's love is truly made complete in him this is how we know we are in him Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Now we find here these two inseparable ideas or concepts. And these are the two concepts that must be seriously understood if we are going to enter full time into the throne room of God and stay there. First, we must understand that we are called to live in him. But we cannot live in him if we are not also determined to walk as Jesus walked. And we can test whether we are in Jesus by looking at how we walk. And if you read the context of this passage... It seems to be that we must obey the commands of God. And his chief command is that we not love the darkness, but we love the light. That we do not hate our brother, we're not indifferent to our brother's pain or sorrow, or our sister's pain and sorrow. But literally, whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. Literally, Jesus is saying to us through the Apostle Paul, I'm sorry, through the Apostle John, that there are two factors that cannot be separated. And these two factors are what allow us to enter into the prayer closet and be heard by God. If you look carefully at the Lord's Prayer, we're told we must forgive those who have sinned against us that our sins could be forgiven. <clears throat> this, is, this is a very real condition of whether or not you can enter into the throne room of God. Part of the etiquette of the throne room of God is that you cannot go into his throne room and ask for judgment on your brother or your sister. That's why Jesus said you must pray for your enemies. You must bless those who despitefully use you. You don't go into the throne room of God and grumble and complain. If you do, you'll be kicked out. You will be immediately thrown out of the throne room of God. There is no grumbling there. There's no complaining there. 
in that place, we are to be in the presence of Almighty God. And we are to pray for our enemies. We are to pray for those who despitefully use us. We are to pray without judgment or without criticism, but to lift up before the throne of God and cry aloud for those that are damaged, destroyed by the devil's works. Now, that's a very painful process because we enjoy being angry sometimes. As one young Christian said, who's going to teach them a lesson if I don't teach them that lesson? I'm going to get in their face and tell them what I think of them. No, brother. Go to the throne room of God and pray for them with mercy and kindness. It's not for us to punish or have vengeance upon our enemies. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Not for me. There are people who have desperately wronged me, stealing large amounts of money, causing me embarrassment, cutting me off, discounting me, saying that I have nothing worthwhile to say. Okay. I agree with all of that. I go to the throne room of God and I lay on my face before him and I bring these people and I say, yes, Lord, I'm not a wise man. I'm a foolish man. See, nobody could say anything about me that would be more harsh than what I've already said about myself. But it's in the throne room of God that I surrender all of that to him and plead for his mercy for them and for me and acknowledge that he is the king and he is the Lord. So we have this hungry desire to live in Jesus. But living in Jesus is also closely linked with walking as Jesus did. How did Jesus walk? Jesus walked day by day with his Father to build and to bring about the kingdom of God. So if you say, I'm in Jesus, and then off you go to fulfill your own desires, and off you go to have your own entertainment, and off you go to do what you think is important, off you go to be somebody, off you go to make the money to take care of yourself, you have left the presence of God, and you are no longer in Jesus. You're in yourself. One of the absolute conditions of having your prayer answered 
is that you be in Jesus and that you walk as Jesus walked. (laughs) Well, we're out of time for today. Again, I want to thank each one of you for helping to cover the cost of June Radio. Now we're in July and we begin again to cover the bill for July. So you're welcome to write to me at the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195. Again, that address, Pastor Ray Greenley, the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia. Now you can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com nationalprayerchapel.com There you'll find all of the videos, all the podcasts, and you'll also find a way that you can donate online. We'll thank you for your gift to Jesus. And thank each one of you. God bless you all. I love you with all my heart. And I want you to dwell in the throne room of God. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.